Let me do this today. I'm excited. We're going to begin a brand new series today entitled Christmas Carols. Uh, and when you came in this morning, you should have received one of these little ornaments. Did everybody get one of these? If you didn't get an ornament, raise your hand and we will get you one. All right, if you'll just lift your hand up. So let me just give you some instructions. So last year, uh, we did a little thing entitled, our series last year was called Christmas Prayers. And if you remember, we gave out little snowflakes and everybody wrote their Christmas prayers. And we lined the sanctuary uh, with our Christmas prayers last year. And every week we take just a few minutes to pray over those and just ask the Lord to move in those circumstances. Well, this year, uh, as I was praying about, Lord, what are we going to do for Christmas? Kind of a new theme for, for the holidays this year and really just focusing, of course, on the birth of Christ. Uh, I had a gentleman ask me, he said, Pastor Keith, he said, are we going to do the Christmas prayers again this year? And uh, he began to share a testimony with me how that, that little uh, process that we worked through called Christmas prayers really changed his life. And he began to tell uh, his story about how one of the things he was praying for was boldness. He said, I know that God has given me opportunities to speak for him, to be a witness for him. He said, but I really have just lacked the boldness to speak up and to stand up for Christ. And he said, so last year, one of my Christmas prayers was that God would give me boldness. And he said, I'm just going to tell you, this year, God's answered my prayer. He said, not only have I had more opportunities, he said, but I've had boldness. He said, I've stepped out. He said, I found myself speaking up when I wouldn't have spoken and stepping up when I wouldn't have stepped up. And he said, I am just so thankful. He said, I just want to thank you and Liberty Church uh, for, for implementing that little Christmas prayer process last year and challenging us to pray. So when I heard that testimony, I thought, well, we've got to do it, right? We've got to do something like that again. So this year, we're going to do a little something different. So we wanted to give you a blank ornament. So here's the challenge uh, I want to challenge you to do. I want to challenge you to go home with your family, with your friends, by yourself. I don't care how you do it. And if you're really crafty like Kelly, this will be a lot of fun. If you're not crafty like me, it'll be kind of challenging. But here's, here's what I want to challenge you to do. I want you to go home this week and take some time and decorate the front side of this ornament. So you can draw, you can paint, you can do whatever you want to do. If you're like me, I'm going to buy stickers and put on there because that's about how crafty I am, okay? Uh, but I want you to decorate. You can be as creative as you want to be. And then we want you to take a picture of it and we want you to put it on social media and hashtag it, Life at Liberty. Hashtag Life at Liberty. Uh, and we want to share these little pictures online and just kind of just create a little Christmas community uh, for our church. Now, that's just part of the homework. The, the most important part is on the back side of the ornament. This is what I want to challenge you to do. I want, you to I want to challenge you to think about what are three specific Christmas prayers that you need to be praying this year. Maybe it's a person you need to be praying for. Maybe you've got a family or a friend that doesn't know the Lord. Maybe there's some relational challenges going on. Maybe there's some financial issues going on. Maybe, like the individual I talked about this morning, maybe there's something spiritual. You just need boldness or you need courage or something that you need. I want to challenge you to identify three things and I want you to write those three things on the back of this ornament. And then as you hang this ornament on your Christmas tree with the, with the pretty side out, right? Every day, hopefully, when you see that ornament on your tree, you will be reminded to pray. And you'll be reminded to pray specifically for those three things that are on your Christmas ornament. And I want to challenge you to do this. I want to challenge you not just to pray through Christmas, but how many of you know as we close the year and begin a brand new year, I can't think of a better way to start 2021 with earnest prayer on your heart. To know that I'm not only closing this year, but I'm going to step into a brand new year with specific points of prayer. And maybe those three things may become your entire prayer focus for 2021. So I just want you to pray about it and think about, Holy Spirit, what are those three things I need to be really be focused on in prayer? And then identify them. Because how many of you know if you don't identify them, nothing will ever happen. 
See, that young man knew that he was walking in boldness because he had prayed specifically for boldness. He knew God had answered his prayer because he had been specific in his prayer. And if you pray a general prayer, you'll get a general answer. But if you pray a specific prayer, when God answers that specific prayer, you'll know that your prayer has been answered and you'll be able to do like that young man did and give glory to God and rejoice in that. So, all right, y'all guys good with that? Everybody understand? And if you're watching online, you got to make your own ornament and do this, right? So I want you to help us. So you don't have to have this ornament. You can make your own. You can take a picture of it, put it on on Facebook, Instagram, wherever you want to put it, hashtag it, Life at Liberty, and let's just kind of share some wonder. So for all you folks that may not know how to use a hashtag, all you do is search for hashtag Life at Liberty, and it'll pull up all the stuff that has it, and we'll share some good Christmas memories, all right? So y'all can look at mine and Kelly's. It'll be a wonderful comparison, <laughs> a, a, a contradiction. I don't know what it'll be, but it'll be, it'll be unique and different. So anyway, all right, awesome. Well, this morning, uh, we are going to jump into uh, part one of our series, Christmas Carols. And I want you to just think about something this morning. I want you to think about uh, what a Christmas carol does. Christmas carols, uh, they tell, think about this, they tell the most monumental story of history. When you think about the Christmas carols singing about the birth of Christ, they tell the most monumental story of history that has ever happened. I mean, second to the creation of the earth, the greatest thing that ever happened on planet earth happened through the birth of Christ in a manger. And when you consider that, and when you consider the fact that God became flesh and then he dwelt among us, and he lived like one of us for 33 and a half years, and then ultimately he died on a cross to redeem us and bring us back unto himself. Have you ever considered that God, that the Son of God became man so that mankind could become the sons and daughters of God? That's the story of Christmas. The Son of God became man so that mankind could become the sons and the daughters of God. And that's what we get to celebrate as believers in Jesus Christ. Not just at Christmas time, but we get to celebrate it 365 days a year. That the Son of God became man so that mankind could become the sons and daughters of God. And that's what we're celebrating here today. The gift of Christ and the gift of His birth. So look at that first point on your outline. So today's Christmas carol, what we're going to do is just kind of take a Christmas carol every week and we're just going to kind of pull just a theme or a thought or a message out of that carol that conveys the heart of the gospel as we celebrate the birth of Christ. So today's Christmas carol is called The First Noel and we just sung it, sung it thanks to our great worship team. And the word Noel in French means Christmas. And how many of you knew that? Some of you know it? A couple of you knew it. And the word in Latin means birthday. So it's Christ's birth, of course. So Christmas is a celebration of the birth of Jesus Christ, who is the Savior of the world. How many glad there's a Savior of the world today? How many glad the Savior of the world is not a politician? The Savior of the world is God in flesh, dwelt among us, died for us, rose again on the third day, and now has adopted us and grafted us into his family. That is the message of Christmas. Amen? So let's look at the first line of the song from the first Noel. This is how it goes. The first Noel, the first Christmas story, the first declaration of the birth of Christ, the angels did say was to certain poor shepherds in fields as they lay. In fields where they lay, keeping their sheep on a cold winter night that was so deep. Noel, 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 born is the king of Israel. Let's look in Luke chapter 2 because I want us to read the story from Scripture that makes that song so powerful, amen, that gives us the meaning. And we're going to grab hold of some awesome truths today from that simple line in that song and from the story of Christmas. Luke chapter 2, verse 1. 
It says, and at that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. And this was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all returned to their own ancestral towns to be registered for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. And he traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. And he took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was now obviously pregnant. By the way, did I tell y'all we're going to greet Grandma and Grandpa again? Come on, Samantha and John Wesley. We're going to be having our second grandbaby. I thought how awesome that is. And uh, it won't be long and she will be obviously pregnant. So she's really skinny right now, but that'll come. Amen. We're excited about that. So uh, we love you guys. Thank y'all. Grandbaby number two. That's some good stuff, right? And she was obviously pregnant. And the Bible says, verse 6, And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born, and she gave birth to her first child, a son. And she wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth, laid him in a manger, because there was no lodging available for them. And that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news with, that, will be, that will bring great joy to all people. Good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah. The Lord has been born today in Bethlehem in the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. And suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. And when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. And they hurried to the village, and they found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. And after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. And all who heard the shepherd's story, y'all say that with me, and all who heard the shepherd's story, that's a key phrase, we're going to come back to that at the very end of the message today. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. And the shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. That first line says, the first Noel the angels did say was to certain poor shepherds in fields as they lay. So look at that next point. The first Noel, the first declaration of Christ's birth, it does something. It reminds us that Jesus came for all of us. It reminds us that Jesus came for all of us. The rich and the poor, the black and the white, the male and the female, we have all been united through Christ. The first Noel, the song, but most importantly, the story of the announcement and the declaration of the birth of Jesus Christ reminds us of something. It reminds us that Christ came for all of us. Rich and poor, black and white, male and female, in Christ we have all been united together. Look with me in Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3 verse 26 says, For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Let me pause there for a second. We are children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Every person on planet earth was created in the image of God. But you only become a child of God through faith in Jesus Christ. We were all created to bear the image of God, but we only become the children of God through faith in Christ. And it is through faith in Christ that we become the sons and the daughters 
of the Most High God. And listen to what Paul says. He goes on in that next verse. And he says, And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. How many are you glad that when you came to Jesus, you got a whole new outfit? Come on, somebody, right? You got to be robed up in some new clothes. You got to lay aside the filthy rags of sin and deception and manipulation. And you got to put on the robe of righteousness, crowned with the helmet of salvation, the belt of truth, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the sword of the Spirit, and the shield of faith by which you're now equipped and prepared to live the life that God has called you to live. I'm glad there's some new clothes in Jesus today, aren't you? I'm glad that when we come to Christ, we don't stay the same. We become a brand new creation. And it was that brand new creation that Jennifer talked about that gives us the grace in the midst of sorrow to still have great, great joy. Because we have been clothed in Christ. Now look at this next verse. This is awesome. He says, And there is no longer Jew or Gentile, Slave or free, male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. I want you all to read that last phrase with me. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Let's say it one more time. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Let me just share with you a couple things the Holy Spirit shared with me. I just want to read it to you this morning. The Holy Spirit said, Keith, there is an equality in Christ that tears down the walls of separation and unites us. There's an equality in Christ that tears down all the walls of separation and unites us. If you were to look around this room today, and if those of you that are watching online, if you could actually see the people that were gathered here and the people that were gathered with you online, you know what you'd recognize this morning? You'd recognize that there are people in this room and people online that are from every walk of life. I mean, we are as different as different can be. Our past are different. Our presents are different. Our family units are different. We've got folks from every walk of life, from every avenue, from every venue, from every vein and every vessel of life and living. But here's the good news of the gospel. There is an equality in Christ. There is something about Christ that connects us together. And the, real, the reality is simply this. Without the gospel of Jesus Christ, there is no reason we would ever gather together. Think about who you gather with right now. You gather with your family, you gather with your friends, and you gather with your coworkers because you got to go get a paycheck every day. But there's something about the church that causes us to step outside the lines of our natural family and even step outside the lines of our natural friends and even step outside the lines of our work or social or economical environment. And all of a sudden, we find ourselves shoulder to shoulder, face to face, arm to arm with people that are different from us. And it's a beautiful thing. Because it is that diversity in Christ that brings us together. It is the fact that Christ has torn down every wall of separation and He has united us together so that we are one body in Christ. And that now we can build relationships and have friendships and we can serve God together in a way that would never happen. Think about that. We would never be together if it were not for Christ. If it were not for Christ, He tears down those walls. Let me just read just a little more what the Holy Spirit said. He said, Keith, this means that because we're united with Christ, we are all children of God through faith in Christ. We are all children of God. We are all heirs of God's promise. And all the promises of God that are in Christ Jesus belong to each and every one of us. We are all children of God. We are all heirs and joint heirs. I got the same inheritance you got. Come on, somebody. 
We are all heirs and joint heirs in Jesus Christ. I don't get a bigger portion than you get, and you don't get a bigger portion than I get. There's no older brother privilege. We are all heirs and joint heirs with Christ Jesus. And all the promises of God, guess what, that are in Christ Jesus, to every person in Christ, the answer is yes and amen. What a glorious thing to think about that. We have been united together. We are now brothers and sisters in Christ. And we have an inheritance that's the same. And we have a promise that's been made available to each and every one of us. There's no big eyes and there's no little U's in the kingdom of God. We all matter. Amen. And then he said this. He said this doesn't mean that we, no longer, that we are no longer different from one another. It just means that our differences no longer divide us because Christ unites us. And I want you to hear this. Holy Spirit said, Keith, in Christ, we don't lose our identity. We actually gain a unity that makes us family. We don't lose our identity. Now listen to what Paul said. Paul said in Christ, there's neither male nor female. There's neither Jew nor Gentile. There's neither slave nor free. Now what Paul was not saying, let me clarify this. Paul was not saying that when I got saved, I'm no longer a man. And he was not saying that when Kelly got saved, she's no longer a woman. And he's not saying that when you got saved, if you were a Jew, you're no longer a Jew. And if you're a Gentile, you're no longer a Gentile. What he is saying is, is that those differences which very much have divided us, no longer divide us because Christ has united us. And we are now one family, one body, one community of faith because of what Jesus has done. And so in Christ, I don't lose my identity. As a matter of fact, it is only in Christ that I find my true identity. It is in Him that I fully become the person that I am called to be. Because let's be honest, the best version of you is the Jesus that's on the inside of you. The best version of you is the Jesus that is on the inside of you. And it's through Christ that I don't lose who I am. It's through Christ that I fully become who I am, unique and different. And I was just thinking about this. I was thinking about 7 billion people on planet earth. And yet nobody, no two people are identical. Even identical twins aren't identical, right? No two people are identical. Different DNA, different personality, different characteristics. And I was just thinking about that, what we started out with a moment ago. We were all created in the image of God to bear the glory of God. But only when we become Saved by faith in Christ do we become the children of God. And I was thinking about 7 billion people who have never been duplicated with every person with a unique expression. Think about this. Every person is created with a unique expression of who God is. And it's took 7 billion people to express who He is. And God will never duplicate two people. Why? Because there is such an infinity in God, a greatness of God, a glory in God, that it takes 7 billion people just to declare to the world how great He really is. And when each of those 7 billion people become born again, then all of a sudden as we begin to find our identity in Christ, we can truly begin to reveal the glory of God. That was put in us in the first place. Amen? Amen. What a beautiful picture of what God has done. So in Christ we don't lose our identity. We gain yeah. unity. And we become family. And I was just thinking about family. You know families, families are, are. How many of you know families are just kind of crazy? Did y'all know that? You know in families you got moms and dads. And you got grandmas and grandpas and cousins and nieces. And then you always got the crazy uncle. Right? <laughs> Stephen you're probably the crazy uncle. I'm just going to give you that. But you know what's awesome about family? We're different, but we're one. And that's what Jesus has done. 
That's what the first Noel is all about. It's a declaration that God sent his son, not just for a few of us. God sent his son for all of us. That the redemptive value of Christ has been poured out on all the world so that we can become not identical, but united. Because the diversity is what declares the glory of God. Amen. Look at that next point. God announced, think about this, God announced the greatest news the world had ever heard to shepherds and not kings. The greatest news, the greatest announcement ever made. I give you great news, good news of great joy that will be to all people. The greatest news that had ever been announced on planet earth. God did not announce it to kings, he announced it to shepherds. And when you think about a shepherd, I just want to give you an idea. A shepherd was just an ordinary person doing an ordinary job. They were the blue-collar workers of their day. They were farmers, if you would have it, raising their crops and their cattle and their sheep and their herds. They were ordinary people doing ordinary things. And God, when he decided to announce the greatest announcement that the world had ever heard, he announced the declaration of his son, not to kings, not to scholars, not to pastors, not to prophets and preachers he announced it to shepherds ordinary people who lived ordinary lives and that's awesome it's awesome when you think about that because all of a sudden it drives home a realization that the gospel is for all of us not just some of us and look at the next part on that point I want you to see this your lack of qualification qualifies you to be used mightily by the Lord why do I say that? I say that because the Lord reminds, reminds me regularly that there are so many Christians, so many Christians that disqualify themselves. I meet Christians all the time that have disqualified themselves. Well, I can't do that and I can't do this because of my past, because of my education, because of this, because of that. You know, I've been here, Pastor Keith, and I used to do this, Pastor Keith, and I'm really, I just don't really have what I need. You know, I'm not really educated. I've not really been trained. I've not really been schooled. I, I just don't have what it takes. I want you to understand that it is your lack of qualifications that actually qualifies you to be used mildly by God. Because God uses everyday, ordinary people. And when we come to Christ, we don't bring God our accolades and our abilities. We come to Christ and we bring Him our poverty. Do you remember what Jesus said? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. It's not our abilities it is our spiritual poverty that qualifies us to be used mightily by God. Now, Paul makes a great statement. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26 through 31. Look at verse 26 with me this morning. Paul says, Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Let me stop there for a second. So Paul is reminding the Corinthian believers that most of, those, most of them that had come to Christ, before they came to Christ, they weren't what the world considered wise, powerful, or wealthy. They were probably ordinary nobodies. And Paul said, hey guys, I just want to remind you that God didn't choose you because you had something to offer him. God chose you because you were nothing and he wanted to do something to get all the glory. And so all of a sudden he says that, he, he, he kind of reminds them, guys, I just want you to remember that, that before you came to Christ, you weren't wise, you weren't powerful, and you weren't wealthy. And as a matter of fact, I've recognized that there is a wealth, there is a wisdom, and there is a power that we experience after we come to Christ. Can anybody attest to that? I feel like I'm wiser now than I've ever been. 
I felt like I'm walking in prosperity and power more than I've ever done because when you come to Christ, you tap into the wisdom of God, the power of God, and the provision of God to live the life He's called you to live. So your greatest success is not before Christ. Your greatest success is after Christ. Now, now let me just table something real quick because Paul is not saying that if you are wise, powerful, and wealthy, you can't come to Christ. Paul's just reminding them most of them weren't wise, they weren't powerful, and they weren't wealthy. They were everyday, ordinary people, but yet God called them, and yet God chose them, and yet God loved them. And it reminded me, as I was praying about this, it reminded me of what Jesus said because, because here's a realization. If you are successful by the world's standards, understand this. Before Christ, if you are successful by the world's standards, you have to overcome something to come to Christ. And what you have to overcome is self-sufficiency. See, because if, if you are powerful and you are wealthy before you come to Christ, then all of a sudden something has to happen for you to come to a place of faith in Jesus. And what has to happen is you have to be willing to lay aside the pride and any arrogance that may be connected to your success so you can acknowledge that you are spiritually poor and bankrupt and without God you have no hope. Do you remember what Jesus said to the disciples about a rich man entering into heaven? He said it's easier... It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than it is for a rich man to enter into heaven. And the disciples heard that and they said, Lord, that's a hard saying. Who can understand it? Now what Jesus was talking about when he said that was not the eye of a needle like we uh, sow a needle. Every, 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 every city in that time, specifically Jerusalem and Bethlehem, they had walls around their cities. And every city would have what was called the needle gate, the eye of the needle. And the needle gate was a small gate into the city, just wide enough, just barely for a camel or for a man to go through. And it was a low gate. You literally had to stoop down to go through the needle gate. And it was just something they could keep open for a quick passage in and a quick passage out. It wasn't a big gate for royalty and all these things. So Jesus said it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than it is for a rich man to go to heaven. Why? Because for a camel to go through the needle gate, this is what they had to do. Camels were pack animals. So when a camel came to town, typically he was carrying something. So they had to unload all the possessions and all the things that were on the camel. And they had to strip the camel down to nothing. The camel literally would have to get down on its knees and crawl on its knees through the gate to be able to enter the city. And Jesus said, that's what you have to do if you want to be saved. you got to be willing to lay down pride, possessions, power, and position. And humble yourself before God. Because that's the only way to enter in. And so Paul was reminding the Corinthians that most of them weren't that way. Most of them were already at the bottom of the barrel when God called them. But here's the good news. God calls us at the top. And God calls us at the bottom. And God calls everybody in between. Come on, somebody. That's the good news of the gospel. That whosoever will can come. Now listen to what else he goes on to say. Verse, verse 27. He says, instead God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose the things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. And God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and he used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. And as a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. For God has united you. There it is again. God has united you with Christ. And for our benefit, God made Jesus to be wisdom itself. And Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy. And he freed us from sin. Therefore, the scripture says, if you want to boast, boast only about the Lord. 
So Paul says, guys, I just want to remind you. He said, it's your lack of qualifications that actually qualify you. He said, if you'll just remember, you weren't all that in a bag of chips anyway when you came to Christ. So don't be confused and think that somehow now you got to give God all this greatness in order to be used greatly by God. No. Paul said what you need is a spiritual poverty that lives in a place of dependency that says, God, I can't, but I believe that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. See, one of the challenges we have to face as Christians is when we come to Christ and we start experiencing the wisdom of God and we start experiencing the power of God and we start experiencing the provision of God, we have to also check ourselves that we don't ever come to a place spiritually where we now think that our spiritual success has now qualified us to be used mildly by God. No, it's not my spiritual maturity. It is my spiritual poverty that keeps me in a place of dependency that makes me usable for the glory of God. And I'm just going to be honest with you. Some of the most powerful people I know in the faith, if you ever hear them pray, they have this amazing, humble prayer life. It basically says this, God, I can't, but you can. And through you, I will do everything you've called me to do. But Lord, I'm looking to you because you're the only one. You're the only one that can make it happen. That's how we're called to live our lives. Amen? Look at that next point. Last point on your outline today. God sent his son for the least of us, not just the best of us. And you could actually write out there beside that if you want to, all of us. From the least to the greatest, God sent his son for us. And the gift of God that brings salvation has appeared to all people. I love Mark chapter 2. It says, And when the teachers of religious law who were Pharisees saw Jesus eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples, Why does he eat with such scum? Pretty blunt. And when Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I have come to call, not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. I've come to call, not those who think they are righteous. You know what you call somebody that thinks they're righteous when they're really not? You call them self-righteous. Jesus said, I didn't come to call the self-righteous. I come to call those who know they are sinners. Let me just tell you the greatest revelation you can get. Apart from the revelation of Christ, it is the revelation that you are a sinner and you need Christ. That is the greatest revelation you can have. It is the revelation that you are a sinner and you need a Savior. It is that revelation that will change your life. And it's that revelation that drives us, hear me today, that drives us to make sure that as the church that we're not preaching some kind of watered-down gospel. Right, that we're not telling everybody I'm okay and you're okay and everything's going to be okay because if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're going to die and spend eternity in hell and you're not okay. And it won't be okay. And you won't be happy with your eternity. And so we have to understand that the greatest revelation is the revelation that I'm a sinner and I need a Savior and I need to come to know God. And we are called and commissioned as believers in Jesus Christ to preach the whole counsel of God and to speak the truth in love. Because hear this, here's a misconception in our culture today. Well, if we'll just love people, they'll change. That is 100% absolutely not true. We got to love people enough to speak the truth Because Jesus said, it's the truth that sets you free. 
So if we love people and coddle people and just tell everybody they're okay and you're okay and everybody's going to go to heaven, I call it the Touched by the Angel Christianity. Y'all remember that show, Touched by an Angel? Everybody goes to heaven. Come on, somebody. If we don't love people enough to speak truth to them, to bring them to the realization that they are a sinner and they need a Savior, then we will doom their souls to hell and they'll be loved all the way there, but they will spend eternity separated from God and their blood will be on our hands. Jesus said, I didn't come to call those who think they're righteous. I come to call those who know that they are sinners. And look at the last part of that point. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all people. That's almost a direct quote from Titus chapter 2. Look at Titus chapter 2 with me. Verse 11 and 12, listen to what the Bible says. It says, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Rich men, poor men, black men, white men, females and males. Doesn't matter who you are, where you've come from, where you're going. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. And listen to this next part. Verse 12 is huge. Teaching us. So I want you to grab that phrase, teaching us. So the grace of God that brings salvation has a message with it. The grace of God that brings salvation teaches us something. There is a declaration or a teaching or a training that comes with the grace of God that brings salvation. Now I want you to hear what the message of the grace of God that brings salvation is. Look what it says. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age the grace of God that brings salvation teaches us to deny ungodliness and worldly lust and it teaches us that I should live a sober righteous godly life and I love that last little phrase in this present age right we're not waiting till we get to heaven to start living for Jesus we're not waiting till we get to heaven to get sober righteous and godly we're not waiting till he catches us up when he comes to return in the rapture of the church till we become what we're supposed to be no we're gonna live in this present age righteous sober godly lives for the glory of God and the grace of God that brings salvation teaches us that now if you have ever met anybody that had the idea that somehow the grace of God was now an excuse to live their life any way they wanted to live. That is not the grace of God. I call that greasy grace. Greasy grace. I'm just going to grab hold of some of that little greasy grace. And I'm going to just live the way I want to live. And somehow by the greasy grace of God, I'm going to slide into heaven and get saved by the skin of my teeth. I want to tell you something. Any kind of grace that does not teach you to deny ungodliness and worldly lust and does not call you to live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age is not the grace of God that brings salvation. So there is a greasy grace that will lead you to hell. But there is a saving grace that compels us and calls us to sober, righteous, godly living that denies the things of this world and embraces the hope of Jesus Christ and that is the grace of God that brings salvation and here's the good news that grace has been revealed to all people red and yellow black and white all are precious in his sight and the grace of God that brings salvation has come to all so I want us to do something today. let's just bow our heads for a moment if you're watching online I'd love for you just to bow your head right where you're at And I want you just to get still for a moment. I want to do two things this morning. First of all, if you're here today 
And you know without a shadow of a doubt, you've received the grace of God that brings salvation. You've been saved, set free, and made whole. And you know Jesus is Lord of your life. And when you die, you are confident that you're going to go to heaven. If that's you, I want to challenge you this morning to do something. I want to challenge you. Number one, don't disqualify yourself. Don't disqualify yourself from being used mildly from God. Don't allow pride, whether it's pride in the flesh or pride in the spirit, to keep you from living in a place of dependency. And then as we were reading through the Christmas story, there was a little phrase that said, the shepherd's story, the shepherd's story. Everyone who heard the shepherd's story was amazed. And then the Bible said this, it says, and they went back to their fields, praising God and glorifying Him and telling everyone what they had seen and what they had heard. Let me just tell you today, you have a story to tell. You have a story to tell. So don't disqualify yourself because you have a story to tell. And I love the fact that the Bible says they went back to their fields to keeping their sheep. See, years ago, there used to be this idea that anytime somebody got on fire for God, they were probably called to be a preacher because you're fiery for God. Well, I want to tell you something. I believe the shepherds give us a beautiful picture of this. They were on fire for God, and they didn't go to the synagogue to become a pastor. They went back to their sheep to continue being shepherds, and they were praising God and telling others what they had seen and what they had heard. I love the fact that it didn't say they went back telling everybody the scripture they memorized at church. No. I think we ought to memorize scripture. But what I think is amazing is they went back not telling people the scripture they had memorized, but they went back telling people what they had seen and what they had heard. Because Jesus had changed their life. And you have a shepherd's story to tell. And you need to be telling your story. You need to be telling your story story let me just be a spiritual daddy here today and say shame on you shame on you little children if you're not telling your story shame on you little children if Jesus has changed your life and you're not praising God and telling others what you have seen and what you've heard you are qualified to share the story because you've experienced the grace of God that brings salvation and I want to challenge you. I heard just a testimony this morning of a, of a gentleman in our church who's telling people about Jesus. And he's talking about what God has done and what God is doing and how it's impacting people's lives. And people that are atheists and even agnostics that have denied the faith are being brought to a place where they're beginning to see and hear the truth of the gospel that saves lives. So I want to challenge you today. If you're a Christian, don't disqualify yourself. Let's, let's live our lives going back to our sheep, so to speak. Living our lives, but proclaiming His story. Because you've got a story to tell. The second thing, with every head bowed, every eye closed, is maybe you're here this morning, maybe you realize, maybe you realize, Pastor Keith, I've never experienced the grace of God that brings salvation. Maybe you embraced a greasy grace. Maybe, maybe somewhere along the way you prayed a prayer, you went to church, or you shook a pastor's hand, or you joined a, a body of believers somewhere, but you know in your heart of hearts you've never experienced the grace of God that says deny ungodliness and worldly lust and live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. And if you've never experienced that grace, today is your day. Today is your day because Jesus came not just for some of us. He came for all of us. 
And that's what the story of the first Noel tells us. Jesus went to the ordinary people. And he chose to reach everybody. Not just a few somebodies. So if you're here this morning, you're watching online, and you've never experienced the grace of God that brings salvation, and today you realize you're a sinner and you need a Savior, then you qualify. And if you're here this morning, I want you just to raise your hand. You're here today and say, Pastor Keith, today I want to accept Christ as my Lord and Savior. I want to accept the saving grace of God. If you're watching online, if you're on an online platform, you can click the little hand and say, I want to raise my hand. If you're watching on social media, just type in the comment box, I'm raising my hand today. I want to accept Christ. I'm raising my hand. Because today, if you want to raise your hand, a simple act of faith, I want to pray with you this morning because God sent His Son. The Son of God became man so that mankind could become the sons and daughters of God. And He wants to save you today. So let's just pray this prayer together out loud, if you will. Let's just repeat it, if you would. If you're here today in person with me, let's say it out loud together. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins, rose again on the third day. I confess I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. I receive your grace that brings salvation to all men and all women. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning.